I'd like to welcome you all to the Bio Individual Podcast. This is a new direction, a new show where we're going to dive very, very deep into the uncharted depths of what we could maybe generally term psychophysiological practices. Uh, my new co-host Kevin and myself uh, have just joined forces, so to speak, uh, given that we have a similar background, um, uh, which we've kind of taken subsequently in different directions over the years. And we're hoping to bring you something to make benefit yourselves as individuals. We'll be discussing a wide range of topics centered around mostly the physiology, uh, human physiology, and ultimately the relationship between our brain and our body. And we're going to learn, hopefully together to some degree as well, how to push beyond our apparently set in stone individual limitations. And let me tell you, even for the most cynical of incels out there, of which there are many of you, I see you every day, with a bit of elbow grease, these limitations are definitely not set in stone. Um, so this is going to be a little bit differently to the philosophy or religion or politics stuff um, that you'll no doubt all awash with, with all those opinions and all that sort of bullshit. Um, firstly, this is going to be more practical. It's going to be aimed at more practical things that you can do to improve your life. Um, and it's not just going to be the usual basic go to the gym, uh, do this kind of diet kind of stuff that you see all the time. This is going to be the sort of thing where we treat the body and brain a bit like soil um, or an untamed beast, maybe. However you want to look at it, from which excellent things are able to grow. And we're concerning ourselves here kind of with tilling the soil and also taking care not to contaminate it with bunkum, which is a really important thing to do these days. So I would say overall, our goal here is to help you unlock your full potential. And I'm going to say that without sounding too cheesy, because at least I'm not a savior. Kevin may well be a savior, but I'm definitely not a savior. And I'm definitely not an influencer or anything like that. Um, but this is intended to offer you blueprints that you can take away and do with whatever you see fit to do with them. And I think that's going to be an important point of difference between this and other stuff that's out there. And I think that um, uh, with us and our carefully chosen guests and all the different things that we're into and we've had experience with, um, we're going to be bringing you the cutting edge, cutting edge research in our own fields, uh, techniques at work. And I think no matter who you are, or where you're coming from, um, some of the stuff could definitely benefit you. Um, I will say that I think everyone online is saturated, saturated with politics and just the squalid, horrid interaction that is usually surrounding these kinds of things. And that could be the pol like pol politics, politics, or it could be the politics of different movements and different streams of thought and all the other, you know, shit that you see out there. Um, so if you're someone who is a little bit sick of sitting on the sidelines and offering compulsive, pointless, repetitive uh, witticisms to your 12 followers online, um, and you want something a little bit more than that, um, then this is probably the place for you. There's another subset of people who are into philosophy and philosophers who always, always talk about being something more. Um, but often you wonder, okay, so how, how do I be something more? Philosophers 
tend to write and they write books and you read the books and that's cool, but you're often left wondering as I was, okay, now what? Now what do I do? So that's one thing we're going to definitely focus on here, I think, is how to become the things that these people spoke about. So anyway, without further ado, I'd like to welcome my co-host and Twitter's Twatters, sorry, resident post posture expert, Kevin McKay. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Alex. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm good. So, Kev. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting to be introduced as savior of the incels, but okay, <laughs> that's my new my new role. That's that's what we are now. That's that's our entire purpose, it seems. Um so so Kevin, what what are we doing here with this new show and and why are we doing it? First of all, I've just been getting annoyed at how much people uh, think they're doing things to change themselves, you know, in the self-improvement world, and they're not really doing anything at all. They're just adding some new words, some new memes. Uh, they, they act like they're changing the world or whatever, but they're really not. They're just as robotic and mechanical and automated <laughs> as everybody else, all the, quote, normies. And not enough people are talking about practical techniques because you can talk about this stuff, um, this stuff being uh, real self-change, which is anyone listening to this is interested in. Uh, you have to have techniques to do this and you have to clean up some of the concepts you have around this because people have it a lot of things upside down when it comes to the relationships between their mind, their body, their emotions. And uh, I've been working on a technique learning things that worked for me. Most things didn't for years. Mostly mm -hmm. I was as deluded as everybody else. Still am mostly. Um, thinking things are working and then they're not. And I found a few very small number of things that really do seem to change you. You don't enjoy the change necessarily. Um, you, you do later, you get better later. Um, but the main thing I discovered was you the things that make you feel better in the moment aren't necessarily the things that are actually making you change. And you need to have some kind of techniques to get around this because otherwise you'll just find yourself um, doing various coping mechanisms, uh, getting involved in things that don't change your life, you know, the obsession over online arguing about politics, but not actually doing anything political. Um, you get the um, you know, the endless Twitter threads on learnings about this, this, this. Uh, but not actually doing them. And then, and like you said earlier, there's a, there's plenty of the what and the why. You should do this. Here's what you should do. Here's why you should do it. And very little how in a real sense. There's lots of how, um, you know, learning skills and stuff where people will watch someone else do the skill or watch someone else play a computer game even rather than playing it themselves. Um, there's lots of people doing stuff that people can watch and not uh, and avoid taking action themselves. But there isn't really that much teaching people what to actually do if you really genuinely want to change yourself, which brings us to the point that this is a minority sport. Uh, most people aren't really interested in this. They just want to feel better or they just want to feel a little bit superior because they, they have some new ideas that other people don't have. Um, and if you want to change yourself, you really have to work hard. You mentioned something pretty interesting there, and that's this idea that and sort of what I was referencing a little bit before. This idea that in religion or philosophy, all people do is they tend to talk. Uh, would you say that uh, talking is not really enough for this kind of work? Um, would you say that it's not useful at all? Or is it a part of the work that 
we need to be able to intellectualize things so we don't throw intellect away completely. Is it is intellect a part of this, or is it just purely sensations and you know? Uh, well, all the talk and- is a, is both a destruction is a distraction mostly, but also it's a problem and it's the solution because. Everyone knows that people are lost in words, they're stuck in their heads. And there's been a big move recently for people to get more in the body, to do all these kind of um, physical practices, whether it's just like going to the gym or whether it's um, more sort of esoteric kind of practices. Um, But the pendulum swung way too far the other way. So in order to get out of the head, everyone's just going back to the body. And they're, they're like, even people will even say things like words are the problems, are the problem. Um, you need to get away from that stuff, throw away the intellect, get back in the body, the real natural life, that kind of thing. Uh, to me, that's just uh, making a mistake in the opposite direction. You're just throwing out the, the mind. You're like, we're humans now. You can't not make concepts. We have to use concepts. Uh, but they definitely need tidied up because at the moment, pe- most people are just uh, a victim of, of words in their head. I mean, you see how people react to different words online. It's obvious in the political sphere when you see these things that people are just um, having a reaction to words and it's, it's, you know, pathetic, but you're doing it yourself all the time. Anyway, you're reacting to different things. You're kind of on autopilot most of the time, even when you are thinking words in your head that are telling you you're not on autopilot, you're kind of narrating a story after you've done something that was on autopilot anyway, telling yourself the reasons you did it. Um, it's fine. If you want to live like that, that's fine. Um, some of us can't we just don't want to um again it's a minority type of person who is interested in this stuff and that's who the that's who we're talking to here yeah so i think i you know i totally agree this is the way i see it Uh, the mind or brain um the body or the physiology and the intellect or i think you know the other way i hear people describe it as the spirit uh should all be kind of interconnected and working together in, in, you know, complex ways as, as it does already. And a conscious deliberate regulation of this interaction is kind of our way out of being compulsive or, or being lived by these various forces. I think that we're in a complex world. Maybe our brain is, is adapted to wearing a bear skin in the forest and hunting mammoths, but, but the complex world that we live in can mean that we end up fighting our biology and our mentality or our, our, our neurology, I guess. Um, because we also have no idea, I think, how to overcome it. It's just one of those things that most people just accept. They get lived. They uh, usually or, or very often don't enjoy the roller coaster ride, I would say, in my estimation, particularly these days. I think that if these three factors are not working together in unison and the person is not aware of how they're working together that you know life could be pretty miserable but i do firmly believe that all these things need to work together and that that includes the intellect as well and i have been critical of the intellect but only insofar as i don't really think people understand what it is and i think that's where the trouble comes in with all of these factors uh, to be honest but I just wanted to circle back, Kevin. Could you just give us a quick biography, just a very short biography about how you came to? Uh, it, one thing what you just said there sure. about the about the in, the relation of the intellect to you know 
interconnection of mind, body, spirit is that um, yeah, what you need to do, what we, people need to do is tidy up the words and concepts and ideas in their mind, is not throw them all away. Um, so yeah, it's more about learning what these things are, uh, understanding that concepts and words are tools for doing things, not just for thinking for their own sake. Uh, they have a purpose, and they're meant to be channeled back into the into the real, come from the real world and back into the real world. So part of the what I've been, what I do, is I teach a movement-based mind-body practice, which is to say it's kind of a, it's a movement practice. It's more suitable for Westerners rather than um, the the practices you get in in other cultures. Not that they're bad things, but just that we need something different in the West. So I've been teaching a method for that. Uh, the it's about moving from being subconsciously controlled, uh, being basically moving and reacting on autopilot, moving from that to having more conscious control over yourself and not reacting as much. Um, and the uh, the way I teach it is I one-to-one -one is the, the way you have to learn. I teach that online and uh, I have a website that talks about some of these ideas. It's uh, psychophysical.org psychophysical.org yeah. yeah I can remember uh, and if sorry. people haven't noticed my, my voice I'm from Scotland I'm from the Highlands <laughs> in Scotland yeah uh, we, we may at some point between me and you we may at some point need a posh English person to come on here and translate for mm. the Americans yeah but yeah. at the moment they'll just have to put up with our voices yeah they're gonna need subtitles I think I have an app here that can that can read our voices and, and put it down in, in plain American English for them but um I'm I'm already I'm already f on full blown uh, posh voice at the moment so this is this is how it's gonna get just, just a quick biography of myself I guess I better throw something in so I'm I'm primarily concerned with breath I, I see breath as one of the central fulcrums or foundations to how everything else works. I write about it on my Substack. Um, I use biofeedback with clients in particular. I'm very keen on biofeedback. Um, that includes various software, brainwaves, all that kind of stuff. The other thing I'm gonna mention is I'm not really into anything exotic. I'm not really big on exoticism. Um, that, that includes all the you know esoteric stuff that you see on, on Twitter and that kind of thing. I think this is probably why a lot of people get the shits with me because I'm quite critical about it. So I just see it as being essentially useless. And the interesting thing is when you use biofeedback on people and you see what's really going on, then that really kind of gives you some insight into why, you know, why words, language theory, theories and all that stuff is not, not really enough to, to change what we are as, as people and certainly not enough to make any long lasting meaningful change. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really into extremist hyperventilation like some breathwork people are. Not really into exposing your nutsack um, to the Australian sun. Well, there's a good one, Kevin, I saw the other day, is uh, inducing gingivitis as a tooth toxin cleanse, which um, is pretty, <laughs> pretty fucking out there, but that's the kind of shit that you see on Twitter, right? So um, mm -hmm. I, I'm not really into any of this bullshit because it all misses a fucking point. You know, I just like to live in things that I can measure, things that I can see, and things that I can experience and verify. And that kind of informs what I do with people. My, my background is, is Zen. I studied Zen for a, a lot of years. I still meditate daily. 
and of course working in in Reiki and uh, energetic body work, which Kevin has done as well. And I think we met on the old Chris Hyatt Yahoo forum, which has got to be like 15 or 20 years ago or something now, which is pretty disturbing. Um, but for this reason, I think we're kind of coming from a similar place, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of interesting in the... Yeah, I mean, Chris, Christopher Hyatt's work was the first, for me, that was the first introduction to the the depth of the relationship between mind and body, the, the changing your physiology, changing the muscle tension patterns, that type of thing. Yeah affects your thinking in a real way you know not just you're not just thinking about yourself in a different way you're actually the things change in your thoughts and feelings and and um that was what introduced me first to to the the you could actually do kinds of work on your body that will then change your mind and that was part of self-development beyond the the idea of just like exercise um yeah and then over the years i moved away from that for different reasons that we can talk about in a, in a later episode maybe um and now my focus more is on the the physical visible structure and i work a lot with people with the posture but it's about directing it mentally and organizing it and then using video analysis to see if things actually happen because what you're telling yourself in your head one minute is not necessarily what you see on video uh this sounds so mm. obvious until one day you really do it i you know, like I have a, there's like a kind of trick, a sort of game uh, experiment I do with pupils where I'll get them to, I won't say, I won't give too much information because I, I like to, I like it to surprise I people, like it to but surprise ba- people, but, ba- but basically I ask them basically to ask point two body uh, parts on the body and say which one's further forward. You know, I'm looking at them from the side, which one's further forward. And 90, over 90% of people will say the one that's further back, they'll think it's further forward. And these are close to your face (laughs) Um, and people have no idea where the body parts are but then they think they can adjust them during the day and improve their posture and stuff and they they believe what their senses and their feelings are telling them Uh, so anyway you need a a way to break through that and uh, I I found that a lot of the sort of energetic body work doesn't help with that stuff you have deeper and deeper feelings and more and more um, extreme peak experiences and things like that and you can feel more alive but it things don't get accurate down in the depths. You need to use higher cognitive functions. You need to reason about things. You need to use language in a constructive way rather than the automated blah, blah, blah in your head way that everyone is subjected to. Um, all these things take time and it uh, can be boring. The work can be boring. And it's, but it works. Or you can just do the stuff that you just get a thrill from and then move on to the next thing a few weeks later and then move on to the next thing and then wonder why nothing's really changed and you've got the same habits, the same emotional reactions, the same interests, and you're just the same boring person 10 years later. Yeah, I can attest to your course doing that because as you know, I've, I've been taking footage of myself doing things, which I won't give too much away about how the course works. But, but using like a drone footage in particular of filming myself, um, walking and doing various other tasks, um, working during the day, just taking footage of that, which I have done to some degree before, but not, not to this degree and not, not with movement as such. I can tell you it's damn surprising. Um, the patterns that you hold that you've got absolutely no idea about. And it just kind of makes you think, you know, how much is really below the surface that I've absolutely no idea about and how is that affecting my entire psychological outlook? 
it's uh, quite disturbing <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, totally. It's, it's shocking when you realize that you're just deluding yourself all the time. And and this is not something that is just like idiots or badly coordinated people or people with bad injuries or anything like this have these problems. It's basically everybody. I've done this with all types of people, like advanced meditators. I've done it with like yoga people. I've done it with uh, A-list sports stars. All these people with way more skills and experience in certain areas than I do. And it's still true for them. It's just a part of the human condition. And I'm just find myself more and more against as I get older, this idea that you can just throw away all this intellect stuff and all this thinking and just let the body go on with it and be natural and do its own thing. It's just not true. Uh, and it's just anti-human and it's anti-evolutionary, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if you look at a lot of the people online who talk about things like conscious evolution and phrases like that, when you actually listen to what they're saying, conscious to them just means being very, very aware of their feelings and sensations. It's very like uh, soft and touchy-feely and feminine, actually. Mm. Uh, but that's not human. That's not evolution. Evolution, why you have all this other abilities that humans have where we're just going to throw them away and, and um, do that kind of stuff. But that brings back to why all this is a minority sport because people don't, it takes effort to use your conscious mind. By conscious mind, I mean reasoning and thinking and deciding to actually do things that you don't want to do or you feels weird to do them, but you've decided to do them, you'll do them anyway. Uh, it's really hard to do that in real life. You know, we just kind of lump all in as self-discipline as if you can just become self-disciplined, you know, like uh, most of the advice for becoming more disciplined is to use discipline to be more disciplined. Well, that's the problem. You can't just be more disciplined. Mm. So what I've found is do it working with the movements and by gradually getting more and more control over uh, more and more movements and coordinating them together and getting your body to actually do what your mind says, you know, you're like, you're talking to yourself all day long and you're saying you're going to do this, this and this and thinking this and you don't do any of it. So if you actually can start connecting the thoughts and the words in your head with the movements and then you check on video to see if you really did it or are you kidding yourself on over time, that skill kind of spills over into the rest of your life. So you have more control over your emotions. You don't react to them. You, when you say or think things in your head, you start doing them. They become wired into action back into the real world again. And I found posture is the perfect place for practicing this. Hmm. Um, so most of the people that come to me have like a, often they'll have like a posture issue. So they're just trying to solve the problem. And then when they start doing the technique, they realize, ah, oh, it's much deeper than that. It's not simply sit this way. It's how the fuck are my mind and body connected and why won't my body do what it says? And where are all the parts supposed to be? You know, we're just all just taken for granted um, because your body's meant to just know. Well, it doesn't just know because I tried those techniques for years where you're just allowing it and you're being free and you're uh, a kind of sort of passive, detached to uh, detached attitude in order to uh, let the, like, you know, let nature do it by itself. doesn't work like that. It's not the way humans are wired. I mean, if you want to live like that, the cool, just cut out the top of your brain and uh, go into the woods you know you'll be fine <laughs> okay let's take a quick break we'll be right back
Yeah, I agree. You know, it's the same with same with breathe, breathing with biometric feedback, actually. Like the work itself is extremely boring. And specifically on my software, I try to align various biometric markers in real time. And we get to a point where when we're together, even though they kind of get bored there and they have all sorts of unusual blockages about listening to commands and various other things. Um, we do get to a, a better point than when they started. Then I'll, I'll give them some homework. And, and where the, the trouble starts is maybe a couple of days afterwards, I, I give them what they've got to do at home for the next month or whatever it is. And the compliance is is rubbish because it just seems like most people just want a temporary temporary relief from the pain. And it's, it's very unusual, I think, to find someone who's, who's willing to go the distance and People just want to feel better. They just want to feel better at the moment, even if they come with other words about self-development or they want to change and and all this bigger stuff. Often they don't. I mean, many people are are honest. They're just coming for some annoying or painful thing to go away and they just want Mm. a quick solution. Those people don't like me and what I'm teaching because I don't don't treat the symptom. I'll start working with general things and the symptoms will over time go away by themselves in a lot of cases not always you know it's not perfect obviously Mm. um but you that whole mentality of treating the symptoms rather than try rather than dealing with the causes it's because they don't people don't have a method for figuring out what the cause is so that's another thing i have to teach people is the cause and effect relationships between different parts of the body when they move because we have no idea what's not been taught to us. Even though a young child is fascinated with the stuff and the mechanics of things and the mechanics of their own body, and they could, there's a perfect time they could be taught all this, we're just not. They just immediately start getting taught a bunch of words that are detached from their actions. Really early on this happens. You know, if you look at a kid when they're young, they're, they're talking and doing things at the same time. Words, they come, words come to them from the parents and people around them telling them to, you know, giving them orders to do things, and then they do things. So words and actions are always connected for in the beginning. Then they internalize the words into their head. They can, and they're saying words, first of all, they say words out loud to themselves. Then they say words silently in their head. We call it thinking. And then those words are meant to be tools for doing things again in the real world. But somewhere in our culture or, you know, whatever it is, is we've... The, the words in our head bit has become detached from the movements and actions of our bodies uh, and our goals in the world. And uh, this is why everybody's struggling just now. This is why everybody's posture is fucked. This is why people's breathing is fucked. This is why everybody's unhappy and feels disintegrated. This is why things like you know, becoming integrated or um, these kind of but lots of these kind of buzzwords are becoming whole and oneness and all that. This is why people are fascinated with it because they're they're broken. Hmm. Uh, they feel broken, and there's reason for that. But the, most of the methods that people are going at won't fix it. They just increase the problem because they, you know, like somebody thinks, you know, most people with posture, for example, problems will immediately go to physical solutions. Like they'll either put on a gadget, a strap on their back, or they'll change their chair, or they'll go do weights, or they'll, you know, it's all, or they'll go to. Uh, hands-on therapist type of person to manipulate them. It's always like some physical solution. Then I don't need to think about that anymore. Um, if you have someone has problems focusing and the, they think it's a mental thing, so they look for some mental solution about training their mind to, they'll start like 
uh, you know, like doing an app to to become more focused or something like this, when really that's your body's not focused either. Your body's fidgeting and your mind's wandering. There's two sides of the same coin. Mm. So why I've always been fa- not always, but why I became fascinated with is the interrelation between these, uh, and I've just kind of um, lumped it all with the word psychophysical, uh, just to describe it all, and the. What, what is interesting when I spoke to first spoke to you about what you were doing now is that uh, we both came to the same conclusion that you can't just give people things to do and let them do them and have no kind of objective um, way of measuring it that's physical and real after they've done the technique. So you can't just trust them. To, oh, yeah, I feel better. It's working better now. You don't, so you're using the, the biofeedback tools. I use the video. And then you have this method where they can't delude themselves anymore. Um, and then you can actually start making some real progress. Hmm. Online at the moment, there's this idea that uh, people are broken now because because it's in the modern age, everyone's dysgenic. You know, it's because of breeding. Uh, and 2,000 years ago, people would have been better put together. They were superior specimens that all we need to do is to go back to that time or to, to, to LARP as, I don't know, Vikings or something like that, because they were, they were okay. And we're, we, we're not okay. To, to some degree, I don't really buy that. I think maybe they had cultural habits or maybe we're more in line with how humans are meant to, meant to be. But do you buy this, this notion that prehistoric humans were in some way superior physiologically uh it's complex mm. so like a lot of the deterioration over long like the more recent stuff you're saying like 2000 years i think people think of it as like a long line where like history is one long thing and it started good and it gradually got worse and now it's got really bad i think the um the rise and fall of health um and strong physiology and this type of thing is civilization dependent so I think every civilization will have the strong types in the middle, uh, the beginning in the middle, and then the weaker types towards the end. Um, you know, d- depends how you measure, how you t- divide what is a civilization. So in in the more recent time, but the I would say that, but the um, the longer term, but everyone has this kind of idea of a, a kind of lost paradise. Obviously, this comes from our cultures, myths, uh, where everything was perfect back in the past. And now we've lost, we've somehow lost that. And, you know, they have different stories about how they've lost it. Um, and even, even like by all the hardcore biolo- atheist biologists will often say things like uh, that the, they'll, they'll say that we're no longer, adap- we're not adapted to our current situation, our current environment's different from what we adapted to originally. Um, which obviously is true in a sense, but they, they have this, they, they impl- it's implied that it was perfect back then. We were perfectly adapted to our little ecological niche and, you know, well, we don't have that anymore. I don't even think that's true, that, that you're perfectly adapted to, to a niche like that. I think it's, uh, you just survive. If enough of the creatures survive, enough of them survive to breed, and that's it. Mm. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be the best. Um, as a concrete example, to go back to posture again, People seem to think your posture was perfect back in the day or early ancestors had perfect posture. Now we've lost it because of, you know, iPhones or uh, 20th century education or 
desks in schools or or some people go back to agriculture. But um, I've seen photos of hunter-gatherers. They're just as bad as everybody else. They, do, they have slightly different things that they're doing wrong. My definition of wrong would need a, little, a whole episode and a different explanation. But anyway, they're, they're, they have their own problems. Uh, again, this is like the noble savage theory that everybody thinks that somehow they have perfect posture about then. It's just, I don't believe that. There's ways of actively improving your posture uh, using um, things like the elastic structures, uh, using fascia in a conscious way that doesn't just happen naturally by living naturally in the jungle. You have to actually decide to do it and using your reasoning and um, um, uh, using mental tools as much as any physical tools. So these things, uh, I, I think of people more as unfinished learners rather than perfect, rather than perfected creatures that went wrong. I think of as more as when did it start going right, not when did it start going wrong. Mm. So we just improved and improved as a species and um, certain situations make people stop improving or, or disimproving, which we're seeing now. Mm. But really it's uh, it's not as simple as the, as the myth of uh, lost paradise. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think this kind of ties in rather nicely with the, the topic of tonight's talk, which we've already kind of started to go through. Um, Kevin and I were, were talking about this idea in one of our previous conversations, and uh, you kind of just hit on it then. Uh, this kind of idea that the human brain is in a way, I'm just trying to think of the best framing because it is a misnomer in a way, but it, it, the human brain is kind of incomplete, or as say Hyatt would say, it's, it's badly wired or put together. Um, or even we could say that maybe it's optimized to a to a fairly limited primitive set of circumstances or, or something like that. But but in short, that the brain is, as you say, it's it's something that is continuously learning. It's not a perfect thing that has evolved perfectly that has somehow now fallen through modern circumstance. And you recommended a book to me by a guy called uh, David Linden. Uh, the book is called The Accidental Mind. And I thought it was just an absolute cracker. He argues this notion that, that the human brain is not this perfectly efficient, uh, finished byproduct uh, with no issues. Um, that whole view he kind of puts away, and he puts it away in, in fairly technical terms through most of the book. And I don't think we'll go through that today because I'm, I'm not a neuroscientist and I know you're not either. What I can say is that when I was going through the book, it very much melded with my experience of myself in going through all this work and the reasons that I wanted to go through all this work is because it just felt like there there are problems with the way the brain works in the world. And without, without tools, it can lead to lots of uh, unpleasant outcomes, I guess, which is, as you say, why people are in pain today is because that they can't control their brain, their brain is controlling them, and it's not particularly well designed or put together for the circumstances that they find themselves in. And this this notion is very interesting because it is in a way that I, I think that our species tends to approach life. I think that people tend to think that our senses and perspectives and concepts and intellect and all these various things, the, the way that we perceive the world around us um, is perfect. And they're all 
perfect impressions and everyone else is wrong and and I'm right and I'm fully put together and everything is working 100% well and there's no need to have any skepticism whatsoever of 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 my sense perception of the world and this book I think it's it's really good because he, he kind of rubbishes this whole idea from a from a really albeit materialist scientific perspective it, I still think that's you know quite useful um as a zen guy I definitely noticed this on long-term retreat, um, particularly like if you go meditating for like nine or 10 days on a session or something like that, you really are put in a position where you're sort of coming up against yourself in a really intense way, even though you're sitting there doing nothing. And actually, incidentally, sitting there doing nothing is just about the hardest thing you could possibly do, I think, as a human being. But you really notice that the urges to move, the urge to think, the urge for discursive thought, this this compulsion that we have to ruminate on the autobiographical self, all these various things are constantly trying to sweep you away. From a rational perspective, you're like, well, I'm at a Zen retreat. I just want to um, not relax, but I want to meditate. I want to calm down. I want to... I want all these various things, but my body and my mind are just not letting me have them. And I think a lot of people that go on retreat come away with that interesting dichotomy. So it's almost as if the human biology and brain are pitted against, not pitted against, but but they're not working out like you want them to necessarily. And th- th- these are just some of the thoughts that I had while while reading the book. Um, do you so you obviously don't view the human as a finished product? Like, how would you contextualize this book in terms of how the humans wired and put together? Uh, it's been a long time since I read it, but um, you know, I like his. You know, he has a metaphor in it that the the brain is like an ice cream cone that you've just added scoops yeah, of fantastic. different flavors of ice cream on yeah. top of one another, and they're kind of all melted in together now. Yeah. Um, and it, they just it just falls where it falls, and that's just the way it is. Uh, and you know, and he talks about how certain ways things you would never design things in a, you know, like he goes against the idea that it's perfectly designed. It's a wonderful, wonderfully designed piece of equipment, yeah. but everything, loads of things are really inefficient, like neurons and, and whatever else. Um, I just took that same same mindset and just apply, and that's how I think about it as the body as well. I mean, we just. Uh, you have what you have and you survive or you don't. <laughs> you know, it's not like, there's not really much more to it than that in, in that sense. So, I mean, you can be a complete shit show and still survive as we're seeing now. Even thrive. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to, you, like, there's no there's no need to be uh, well suited to survival if you've got all these other things. Mm. Uh, but this is partly because humans have created all these tools that help you survive without as much emphasis on the physical body. Uh, but, um, what's if you take like the recent so if you take like civilization compared to pre-civilized, um, the thing is all our habit, all our, our kind of reactions have been developed over a huge long period of time, attuned to certain conditions that didn't change very much. You know, we're kind of like similar situations over long periods. You one set of reactions working on autopilot would work for a lot of people in a lot of places. 
and most the most of the emphasis in those days was on on physical type of things. With civilization, you get more and more emphasis on mental kind of things, knowledge work, um, and but things are changing. Like part of civilized society is things change really quickly, and everyone is still relying on those old reactions that were that were attuned to a long period of time where things didn't change very much, and they're trying to use those reactions to just instinctively do the right thing in the moment in the new set of circumstances. So like the way that you moved your body and sat on a rock in the jungle or whatever is not the same as the way you move your body. You need to move your body and sit at the desk in a school and do thinking and sit and do like thinking over a long period of time. It's not what people did then. They did their thinking around the fire, looking at stars. It's completely different. So um, our the way I see it now is we are just running on autopilot from the the old ways that worked and we are now shocked that they're not working because things are changing so in a place where things are changing so much we're, su we're suddenly shocked that they're not working and then everyone's running around trying to treat those symptoms rather than dealing with the root cause and the root cause is a lack of uh, conscious reasoned decisions to do things differently um, in a way that uh, suits the current situation, but also doesn't deny the where your brain and body were developed, uh, the situations that they were developed in. So, I mean, it is an interesting time. I see why everything's fucked up. It makes sense. <laughs> um, there's no like simple solution. It's not like oh, if we just stayed religious, it'd be fine, and or oh, if we just stopped being religious and got more science, it'd be fine. Uh, none of that stuff's too. It's um, a mess. Uh, maybe in a good way. Maybe not. Uh, who knows? Um, and there's various parts of the body you just wouldn't design for, for, you, you wouldn't purposely design, uh, and that's just what we're left with. And then you're, you're, the structure now determines what you're able to do. And that's what we're working with. And our brain, you know, your brain is designed, our brains as social primates, they're designed to be infected by what other people are thinking and, and doing and um, not to get to the truth. And they're designed probably to not just deceive others, but to deceive yourself. And when you go to, uh, when you're like a normal, you're a guy now in the 21st century and you want to self-improve, you're using a piece of equipment that's designed to deceive itself. And then you're trying some new technique. Oh, that's great. I feel good now. I'm really making progress now. Uh, well, are you, or is this just your feel better coping mechanisms that's that's in your brain so you fit into the people around you, whether it's your little Twitter group or whether it's, you know, people in, in um, meat space, you know? <laughs> so that's that's how I would contextualize yeah. it. Fuck up. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just going to read from the book quickly, just a couple of paragraphs just to give the listeners, you know, a little something of what this guy is, is talking about. And this is going to be useful for people that are inculcated with the idea that the human brain is this absolute perfected thing that God probably made and is only brought down by metaphysical forces outside of it that are trying to taint it with evil or, you know, what other, what, what, you know, other stuff people go on with or whatever. So I'll just, uh, I'll just start here as a retort um, to people who think the brain is, is some sort of marvelous, well, it is a marvelous thing, but of a marvelous design, which is, I don't think it really particularly is. So, quote, nothing could be further from the truth. 
the brain is, to use one of my favorite words, a kludge, a design that is inefficient, inelegant, and unfathomable, but that nevertheless works. More evocatively, in the words of the military historian Jackson Granholm, a kludge is an ill-assorted collection of poorly matching parts, forming a distressing whole. <laughs> now, that last line in particular, I think I laughed for about five minutes when I read that. that that's a fantastic way to describe it. And I think it, it really does, if people just honestly sit there and observe what their lives have been like, maybe not all the time, but maybe in more challenging times, that is like really quite an accurate summary. I know it is for me. Um, and I see it in people all around me. I see it in myself. I see it in my clients. Um, and in me and you and I in particular saying this, we're not saying in any way that we're immune from this or we're, we've somehow transcended it, right? Like we're not being arrogant, but I think that there are ways that we can we can kind of get get around this or regulate it or become more aware of it and and try to yeah I mean to be honest if somebody had sussed all this out and weren't were beyond all this they wouldn't be able to teach anyone else and no. help them it <laughs> needs to be you know you can only learn from someone who's in the same situation and kind of try to pull themselves out in different ways and probably won't make that much progress by the end of their life but at least they'll have made Sam pass it on and then the next people maybe make a little bit more but um uh the but for most people they are just a distressing hole most mm, of the time the people are just distressed they're they have no control over the emotions um they are just suffering all the time most of it needlessly you know it's mostly pointless suffering i'm not talking about bad things but i mean like the the dramas and people's heads and things mm. these all of these things can be fixed uh, can be removed mm. different there's different techniques for doing it you don't need to live like that. Um, yeah. Changing your body is one of the best ways for for doing this, and that's where we both ended up. Because you, you know, like you talked about Reiki and therapy earlier. I mean, the, the idea with that was you could only get so far with talking that you needed to do same with all the body, the, the tensions in the body, and the structure and, and that type of thing. Uh, and it's true in other ways. I mean, I, I work on this sort of the 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 mechanical structure. But in order to change the mechanical structure, you need to, it's, well, it's changing your physiology because all the, your internal organs are in a different position. Now, if you change the order of this, of the skeleton is in a different shape and the mm. rib cage and the, the pelvis are in different um, relationship when one another, all the internal organs are going to be in a different place. So your, your physiology is functioning differently, better, I would hope. Um, you, um, in order to actually go about changing your, your structure, you have to do things that feel wrong and feel weird. So you have to get control over your emotions because you're not going to want to do the things. Cause it's, you, if you just, your, your habits of sitting and standing feel, even if you're in pain, they just still feel normal to you the way you do it. You need to do things in a new way, which feel weird. So you need to get command over your emotions like that. You need to organize your mind. You need to decide, actually think about the different parts of your body and how they should relate to one another. It's not easy. It's, it's, a struggle you have to do when you're if you're really trying to change yourself and improve yourself in a, you know self-evolution in a real sense you in a way you're going against nature not with it hmm. it doesn't want it like wants you to just be a, a robot wants you to just go on autopilot uh 
it feels horrible to change for real in the beginning. You'll feel maybe feel great later in some ways, but in the beginning it can feel horrible. Uh, nature's not your friend for a lot of this. So like trying to get more and more natural won't actually solve all of this, the, the level that we're talking. It solves many things, but not what we're, what we're talking about. And the name of this program is a uh, program. The name of this uh, sh podcast show is Bio-Individual because we're trying to relate the two sides to that. The bio is obviously biology and all things related to biology, but also individual is the person who is in charge of themselves. You're the, the self, the real, well, the real, a real self or a, a real I, not just this automated, um, what was the phrase you used earlier? The default mode. biographical yeah, uh, also, they're lost biographical the, self which is which is tied yeah, up with a yeah, yeah. default mode network in the brain incidentally which in right, most yeah. people is is where your sense of self comes from it's these modes in the brain that interact with one another it it's primarily based in the prefrontal cortex so it's a relatively new newly evolved thing and it's it's basically the kind of thing where it sits there and it ruminates um, on on data, and it primarily does this to plan for things in the future, which means and ruminate is an excellent word because that ties in with breath and the nervous system and all that kind of stuff. But particularly with meditation, interestingly, they've they've measured what meditation and yoga and various other things does to the default mode network, and it actually ends up powering it down significantly. And it also induces growth between different parts of the brain, uh, fiber growth. But um, in, in advanced meditators in particular, so, so what they notice is when they, they measure the default mode network or they image it or I forget what, I think it's an fMRI or something like that, they can see that in a normal person, this thing is firing together all the time, all the different modes and hubs are, are, are firing together. In an advanced meditator, it's like almost as if they've powered down the various hubs and it's firing more inconsistently in the meditator's brain. And what they think that is, is the meditator is losing that concretized sense of self. And in my own experience, I think the great irony is that in a normal person, they they desperately hold on to the self. Uh, they're ruled by it, as you as you say. You know, they're quite compulsively ruled by their selves. They think they're in control, but they're definitely not. When you meditate, and you, it'd be interesting to do a study of your clients. Actually, if I don't know if you know know a neuroscientist with a spare spare imaging machine, but. Um, I've had a couple of neuroscientists as pupils, yeah. And uh, if I have money at some point in my life, I'd like to, I'd yes. like to do something like see that. How yeah. It changes, yeah. Um, um, so the, uh, just quickly, what what happens? It also, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, what happens is that sense of self is powered down in these people. And, and in my experience, the the great irony is that once you've powered it down, then you you free up all this psychic energy to be able to build something of your own design. Whereas before, for a normal person, that's not the case. You don't have that ability. So anyway, just I know when it went on a tangent yeah, and the, there. And the default, the default network you're talking about, um, without like the way that someone is, it it's um, it doesn't really matter what the like uh, the content of what they're thinking about all the time. So even if you're someone who thinks of themselves as not a normie and you're edgy and you're doing all these things. 
you just have different content going on your subjective yeah. experience of your default node network uh, or however it's called yeah. your um, ex- subjective experience of that is just different stuff from the normal mm-hmm. people you're just as automated and controlled as they are you're not any more free unless you've really done some work on your whole self to make yourself more free it's very easy to imagine yourself as a you know like a super powerful <laughs> You know, Uber wizard who is separate from everybody else because ginger they just have to unusual words yeah. in their head. That's it. It's yeah, just yeah. unusual words. Yeah. yeah. And they're probably usual words for you and your little small group who's feeling superior to everybody else. So I've been these guys before. I'm not like I'm not actually judging anyone other uh, more than myself. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to to fall into that, and in fact, it's an inevitable. You'll go through phases of that. Then you stumble across a technique that really does seem to change you in a way that. You're not even sure if you like it or not, but you know it's real. Once you've had a taste of that, you can't go back to the brain porn stuff. You just can't. You have to, you 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 can delay it for a while and get lost in something else, but you find yourself, once that's been awakened, that there is a kind of conscious, more aware state of being alive where you really are for small periods of time in control of yourself and you can actually do things, not just react uh and then you go back into the autopilot <laughs> machine all the time uh you once you've had the taste of that you you can't give up yeah i think it's because you also intrinsically see how substance baseless how baseless it is because if you have those experiences then then you notice you know in your special boy group on twitter that really you know you're you're really no different from anyone else it's just a different vocabulary essentially but behaviorally you're no different to anyone else. Um, yeah, I like this idea it. of whenever someone, yeah. whatever the person is doing or you or, or yourself is doing, is to imagine you're a drone, for example. This is not the way I used to think of it, but just imagine them being above them and watching them during the day of what they're doing. So like you're looking down on them and you're watching what they're doing. They're just doing the same shit as everybody else. Mm. They say that, that, you know, they're acting in this way and they're saying, putting words together. But if you watch them, they're just, it would just be the same thing as everybody else. They're just the same kind of ape creature wandering around, putting on different costumes, uh, playing different games with different people in different situations, manipulating people, trying to get what they want, uh, avoiding things. You know, it's like, it's all the same stuff. It's just a different uh, vocabulary, as you say. Yeah. And um, part of that, you just it just comes with experience, uh, age. You just realize that you've just been kidding yourself on for years. At least that's what happened to me anyway. Mm, I nice. thought, oh, like a lot of the stuff I was playing was just a game in my head to avoid any real change was the pretending to do the self-change work game. And then one day just admitting to myself it was just a game. It wasn't really doing anything. Um, I had many of those kind of, it's not really aha moments. It's more just sort of re- recognition of the truth. Mm. Uh, and part of the reason I wanted to do this is to try and skip at least 10 years for some of the younger guys because there's 10 years I really didn't need to waste Yeah. Uh, if it had really been made clear to me. There's some things you have to go through yourself and you have to fuck up yourself and you have to learn yourself, obviously, but it really doesn't need to be as long. You don't, There's there's techniques. I, just, I see people start on Twitter. They talk about some esoteric thing or some new technique and I know it's a dead end I've been down the dead end right to the far end as a stubborn bastard keep going keep going well it's already you know make the dead you know try to force the dead end to go somewhere rather than just stop and then try something else and I see a lot of that now with a lot of the kind of embodiment kind of practices that's fashionable now 
Um, a lot of those ones are just a dead end. They're just prettier fireworks. You just feel good and have different feelings and sensations and stuff, and uh, it feels great. It's impossible to argue with someone like that because they're so hypnotized by all the pleasures of it, the new feelings and stuff at the moment that you can't you can't persuade them that no, honestly, you'll you have to come back to your intellect at some point and tidy up and start using it to direct these things. But what I think what makes our work different from um, many people is that we're we're wanting both things. We want the uh, lower down biology to be working in a different way, and we want the higher up, you know, in a developmental way, the higher up thinking and uh, reasoning to work as well. So, like, we want to be conscious and in charge of ourselves, but we also want the energies and the movements of the body to be working in a better way. So we're not like mm. stuck in the head. We're not uh, live inside your head with perfect mental models, guy. And we're also not just go to the gym and hammer all these nutritions and whatever else and just let your body take care of itself, mm. take care of you. We're not that guy either. We're kind of trying to integrate it all together. So um, just and on, on that point, just quickly. it makes it hard to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And it, it makes it hard to sell and it makes it hard to even to understand really what's happening to you because it all mind body spirits kind of all been changed at the same time for as you're going through the process yeah yeah totally um one of the ironies of the brain of course is is the way that it processes information is and this is a function of our language too the the english language i'm not sure about gaelic probably the same it is um this binary way of processing information so when you get into something, for example, if I get into breathing, I really feel relief from breathing. And I see everything else out there, like it could be posture work, like what you're doing, or, you know, any number of things that could be useful. Humans have a tendency, just from the way they process information, to process it in binary terms. So it has to be this, it can't be anything else, it's just this. It's this or it's that, and there can't be any middle ground or any subtlety or anything at all. Um, and I see that all the time. Um, and it's one of those things you've actually got to break through. I think that people need to be able to learn to not think in binary terms, not think in absolute terms, and to go around and to pick and choose information from various places to try things out, to be their own experimenters effectively which very few people can do just because of the way their, their brain works. So they latch onto something on Twitter, then they become a part of that group with that vocabulary. Our way is the only way. There's no other way to do things. And they relinquish their individuality uh, to, to a group or an abstraction or a concept or whatever it is. Um, I just find it to be one of those great ironies that, that no matter what they do, they, they just can't seem to break out of the automated ways that they're programmed to think and they're programmed to speak. And, and that either or mentality is, is one of those, one of those things um, that I've come across a lot. It's almost, it's almost like a technique or a way of doing something becomes an ideology or a, or something that defines you as a person and not, not just a, not just a technique or a method to to get away from that. It actually becomes that thing that you're trying to get away from. Is that yeah, something? Yeah, it you... becomes their personality, their yeah. sense of self, rather than it being a tool that their self uses. Yeah, hundred percent. 
And that, that is really one of the things you've got to learn to break out from. And it's one of the most prominent things that I see on Twitter all the time. There's all these little groups into all this weird shit, all fighting one another, kind of just like, no, nah, you, you know, you're a fucking idiot. Like my way is the only way, like, you know, your group's stupid. You've really got to get away from that. People also forget time. They forget the idea of time and development in these things as well, Mm. because some things are true at one stage for one guy at his stage, and you know, in his situation, but it's not true for someone else. And everyone's arguing about things being true or false in an absolute way forever. You know, they don't realize they're doing this, Mm. but there's like timeless, it's two people with timeless truths arguing with each other. But sometimes the wrong thing is the right thing for someone. So like someone will come to me and they... I, I know that they were like humming and hawing between one technique and the, what I'm teaching. And I know that they need to go and do the other thing and realize it doesn't work before they come back to me. So rather than hound them, like convince them, sales guy, to, to do my thing, it's right for them to do the other thing, to learn in their own way. You know, it's a younger mm-hmm. guy I'm thinking of. And they learn in his own way. And that's better for his development. So for me to just say, you know, I... I I massaged my answer to him about the other thing because I know that's better. That's the right thing for him. So that's just an example for me. In in the real world, something might work for you now. You might need something that's more body-based at this point in your life. You might need something that's more uh, mind-discipline-based at another time in your life. And to argue about which one's best without the context is this is stupid in an extra, in another way. Um, but most of the techniques they're doing are stupid and don't work anyway. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. I'm just being another guy saying your one doesn't work and my one does, but it, like a lot of them really don't work. Uh, a lot of them are dependent on the uh, work from the assumption that you already have a real sense of I that is c- conscious and independent and can do things, and that you they work on the assumption that you already have free will and you just need to apply it and all these things, and they work on the assumption that. Uh, if you just, you know, the fashionable thing is now is if you just get out of your own way, it'll do it by itself naturally. They, they have all these kind of behind-the-scenes assumptions uh, when they're talking about these techniques, and it it um, colors their whole view of it and how they talk about it. And then uh, most techniques will have a result. So you see some specific result from a technique, say it's like, some weird esoteric thing on Twitter. So a bunch of them do it, or some new new nutritional fad. So they take this thing. People notice some kind of specific result straight after it. So everyone's talking about the result, the specific result, because it's visible, and they ignore any kind of bad result to the general whole. You know, like they're interested in the specific benefit, not any effect it has on the on the the whole, because that takes time to know these things, to, mm. to notice these things. So there's something in the way people think, and that's again, it goes back to the way our brains are wired because you're wired to deal with specific, real, concrete situations to survive. You're not really wired in order to think of things that aren't there in front of you. Hmm. So it just keeps coming back in a, back in a circle between the the delusions that we have from our biology and then the delusions that we're giving ourselves in our culture, they are the two things are like making each other worse now at the moment. Definitely. It's this notion of belief being some kind of proof as well, right? Like I see that all the time. Primitive humans are very faith-based, I would say. Um, 
It means that b their belief about something is therefore the proof of the validity of something. I, you know, I see a lot of people poo-poo uh, other cultures, other individuals for, for having this trait. This is something that even, even myself, I'm always on the lookout for because I'm constantly espousing beliefs that I don't really know if they're true or not. What I do know is, is my brain in a sense is compelling me in that direction because it is a neurological habit. It's, it's a part of being human that your, your belief is proof that something is the case. Um, and as you say, there's, there's all these things that primitive humans had that they used to survive that probably had a survival um, value. But now in this world, in a complex world with lots of different stimuli, a complex civilization with technology, various other things, these sorts of habits are not good for the individual and they're not good for the civilization. I firmly believe this is why civilizations end up collapsing. Like a lot of people give it like some sort of mystical, how would you say, like a mystical reason, like the Kali Yuga's here, man, or you know, <laughs> something like that. I honestly just think it's because when a civilization gets to a degree of development that is complex, maybe like ancient Rome, when it when it really got going, or of course our civilization since the Industrial Revolution, the actual apparatus of the human brain can't handle all the different stimuli that are occurring. And as a result, you get this, that the world is at the moment. When you look around, people are just out of their fucking brains and no one can seem to figure out what's going on because they're all focused on the content. They're all focused on what is happening. Hardly anyone, I think, is focused on why the thing is happening, why the substrate is producing this result. And belief uh, is one of those things. I think consensus is another one. So having using consensus as proof, which is something we hear all the time. All these things in their own proper context in a forest or in a fucking cave probably had utility. There were probably useful ways that the human brain worked. But in our complex civilization, they just won't do. And they particularly don't do as an individual. Because if you live that way, you're not going to be in control of yourself. You need to always be highly skeptical of what what's going on around you. And, and in a sense, you need to be skeptical of what your brain is putting in front of you. I know that this is a simplistic way to put it, but like, like, do you trust all these compulsions? Do you trust these things that you're being shown by your psychology, by, by the way your body's put together, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I just think that people are not skeptical enough of themselves. They're skeptical enough of everyone else. They're skeptical of religion. They're skeptical of the government. They're skeptical of Jews. They're skeptical of fucking bankers. They're skeptical of the Federal Reserve. You name it, they're skeptical of it. But the one thing they're not skeptical of is themselves. And in my opinion, that's the missing link. That is really what ails the human species, I think, at the moment. The number one conspiracy is inside your skull. A hundred percent. And if you, you know how, like, I, I've noticed, like, I, even I, I'm guilty of this. You get suspicious of everyone. It could be Bill Gates. It could be, and maybe there's good reason to be suspicious of these people. But 
Uh, recently, when I was out moto camping, I went solo camping by myself. You know, you get suspicious of yourself even when you're by yourself, right? You just yeah, and that's that's something that comes to us from our bio- biological equipment is that being being um, suspicious and checking around, you know, for danger and stuff. Yeah, but like it becomes out of control when you're not actually in danger like that all the time. It becomes out of control and it's happening in weird ways and making you know the uh, like the conspiracy type of things. Um, but that's like another thing that you now need to like use your higher brain to go, okay, I know this is a thing that happens to me because I'm a, you know, ape on a planet. So I need to figure some way out of controlling that and um, uh, regulating those things, accepting them and regulating them. And this, again, to go back to what I was saying earlier, this doesn't, won't happen by itself naturally. It's something you, the person, has to do. And... The problem is you, the person, for most people, doesn't exist yet. You're just a bunch of fleeting thoughts and feelings coming in a stream, reacting to different things, most on autopilot. So you need to find some technique that develops the you, the person, who can actually change these things, uh, which is what makes the whole thing difficult, which makes it you know, unlikely that we'll ever be famous talking about this stuff, which makes it unlikely that we'll ever get rich talking about this stuff because <laughs> people, you need a certain amount of awareness to even know that, to, to recognize the problem that we're talking about yeah. in yourself. It's easy to recognize in other people. Yeah, they're all just um, normies and um, NPCs and whatever. Yeah, well, I, like I just, <laughs> like it's easy to think everyone are NPCs, so I get that. But you know, there's a there's the meme with the NPC where his face is breaking open. You know that man? Yeah, 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 I do. You know yeah. that one is where I see that's that's only the stage I see that we we we're at really mm-hmm. at, as humans at this stage when we're working with the stuff. We're breaking free of the of the robot. Just yeah, we're not free of it. You know, I mean, it's a life of work, and um, some people can have it more by birth, I think, than others. Some people is luck. Some people. Uh, have to work hard at it um and but the point is to like to make a kind of you know to be ending more optimistically is you can't actually change these things you can't actually change your brain and your body in real ways that will will transform your sense of self uh that will transform your experience in the world and the ability to do things and just sheer joy uh but it takes uh usually takes work and it takes doing things you don't want to do for a long period of time often, which people don't want to do and doesn't sell well. And it takes um, a, a kind of a level of honesty that's almost kind of wicked to yourself. Mm. You know, you kind of like, not quite sadistic, but you need to kind of think of yourself as like an experimental animal that you want to play with and figure things out on um, and direct that at yourself because otherwise you'll just do things that pamper you and make you feel better and you'll just find 10 years has disappeared and you were just feeling good sensations but you're still the same person at the end yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think it may have been from that book. There's, there's a good quote in there. He says that evolution is a tinkerer. It's not an engineer. So it sounds like in a way that if humanity are not going to blow themselves up or Maybe maybe they don't need to do this. I don't know, but it, it sounds like we're we're suggesting that that being an engineer of of biology is is the way forward. Would you agree with that to, to some degree? At the level of the individual person, yeah. yeah. So uh, again, we're going back to bio individual. The the bastardized version of this is the kind of technocratic 
version that's trying to do it to everybody and nudge people and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm not in support of that, but a lot of a lot of um, technologies will are becoming available for helping you change yourself in ways that you know can interact and connect with things like these old things like meditation and movement practices that it's pretty exciting the different combinations and things people can do to experiment on themselves but at the same time you're going to have to be dodging the powers that be who are trying to use this exact same things to control and change everybody into nice docile um farm animals mm. or maintain them as far farm animals so it's not like there's there's not going to be like the utopia of everybody uh being enlightened and free and has all this technology that makes their life better it's going to be the same stories as always been a bunch of people try to be more a group of people try to be more free and dodging the uh power structures as best they can or try to take over the power structures you can do that too but that's not really that's not really my thing no neither yeah we're going to take a break we'll be back in a couple of minutes Okay, so I think um, we should think about finishing up. We've been speaking for about an hour and a quarter. Um, there any so, so if someone wants to begin to approach their lives in this way, I mean, what would you suggest they do to start? What's a good place to start on this on this path? I don't know. I think it would depend on the person yeah. to answer that. Some people, it's a book. Uh, many people, it isn't. Um, some people it's you know like for if if people ask me about the movement stuff or the posture stuff i usually say things like record yourself in front of the computer just set a video of you side on to the camera and then just go about your business doing emails and you know make sure you're busy and just let it record for 20 minutes and then watch it later and see the things you're doing that you weren't aware of doing that kind of gives you an aha moment of holy shit my body is doing all these things on autopilot that i'm not in control of i didn't i wasn't aware of them but the camera's not lying. So that gives you a kind of insight into what I'm aware of is just the tiny surface of everything that's going on. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's just the first stage. Then you have to figure, then you have to learn ways of changing these things. Um, if it was like a specific person, I'd maybe recommend a book to some people, but some people books, the worst thing to recommend They mm. they shouldn't start with a book because they're just, it's just another thing they're adding to their vocab. Mm. And they're not going to do anything with it. 
well, hopefully we can somewhat fill that gap for them with this podcast um, and the guests uh, that we intend on having on in the future. Um, I believe that you're going to do a series where you're going to be reading some work from uh, who's the guy? Sorry, the Alexander Technique uh, fellow. What's his full name? F. Mat- F. Matthias Alexander. That's yeah. Not F. Matthias. I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to do some. Uh, Maybe videos, but it might just be essays. I haven't decided yet. I'm working on both. Maybe both. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go back to his books, and uh, he talks about a lot of this stuff. He's one of the few people I find actually has deals with this, it, the issues that we've been talking about, and actually has a technique for it. I really only know three. I've only been in contact with three people's work who actually deal with the stuff we've talked about here. Uh, F. Matthias Alexander is one of them. Christopher Hyatt is one of them. And uh, the spiritual teacher, Gurdjieff, is another one, which mm-hmm. I've only just a tiny amount of contact with. Mm-hmm. But the other two I've, I've worked with more, these are the only people who are really teaching you, uh, who really have the concepts and who really have the principles on the procedures in order to help you become more free and less robotic. Um, so, uh, but Alexander's not very well known. Uh, he's misinterpreted by most of his followers, almost all of them. Uh, he really had two techniques that are kind of uh, tied in together and it's not clear that they need pulled apart in his books. You know, he had an earlier technique and then a later thing, which is different. Um, I've done both. Uh, I've trained them both. And I want to give, I want to present him to younger, mostly to younger guys who are smart, who have high energy and are interested in real self-change and I want to introduce him as a practical philosopher that they should be looking at that they don't know about and um someone who has techniques that are, that are practically useful and not just some other guy's interesting ideas and he, the technique he teaches and i teach is based on similar things to his earlier technique um will help you uh turn all this theory in your mind into practice in your body and and real life and that's the key i guess none of this is going to work unless you work and uh that that's a great um factor that separates people that have success from people that don't really have success and uh it's it's something i guess that people that go down this path need to be prepared for is that it definitely isn't the kind of thing where you're just going to sit there talking having ideas uh you know uh blabbering it's going to be something that really demands a bit of work every day. You know, having said that, not too much work. I mean, it can be tedious and boring. Certainly breathing is, um, as, I, as I've come to find. It's quality, but, uh, not quantity. You know, exactly. if you put really quality, a lot of quality into the work and it's really clear and conscious and deliberate and, and directed properly, then you can get a huge benefit out of it. It's not a case of time. I mean, again, that's the old mentality of, do things on autopilot and then the autopilot will work better. You know, that's what everyone's trying to do. That no one wants to take responsibility for what they're doing and um because it's tiring or boring or hard or, or whatever. Uh but there must be other people. So one of the other reasons we're doing this cast is that there must be other people that are doing their own thing that's similar to that that uh, deals with similar issues that we're talking about. And it would be nice to have them on the show and um talk to them about what they do and share ideas and hopefully kind of move the culture of people talking about, you know, vaguely self-improvement stuff online to more uh, 
really doing something with it and really actually changing your mind, brain, body in a real way and stopping all the fantasy and, and pretend stuff and uh, seeing what can be made of a, of a random human being on a planet mm. doing whatever he does. Yeah, I look forward to seeing because I don't really know. <laughs> so I'd, no, I'd love to see, see no, As I say, there's only three people, those three guys are the only people I knew that I, I know of that really address this, the lack of conscious, um, the lack of the non-existence of a, not non-existence, but the very small amount of free will conscious self that a person has and then some techniques for how to deal with it. Yeah. How to grow it, how to, as you said earlier about the soil and the growth, um, it's, you just have a little spark of it in you. You know, if you want to be mystical about it, there's a spark and you have to grow it. You have to tend, tend to the spark until it becomes a fire. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other, the other thing is for people, I know there's a lot of religious, religiously inclined guys online. I personally have no problem with religion. Um, I think that maybe there's a lot of value to be gleaned from religion. Uh, some of the guys you've been referencing, like Gurdjieff and um, Christopher Hyatt, uh, the two I know about, I think that what's impressive about what they did is is they took stuff from religion, um, maybe Buddhism particularly. I know Wilhelm Reich did that. He took stuff from Buddhism and Hinduism. And they kind of have repurposed it as a technology in a modern sense for brain change and for change in physiology. And there is actually a lot of useful stuff in some ancient religions, not all, but particularly, you know, you have Hinduism, you have yoga, um, and then Buddhism, you have various forms of meditation and yoga as well. Maybe a lot of guys who are um, into Buddhism and various other things may get a lot of use from this kind of stuff because it, it does take away a lot of the mysticism and a lot of the confusion that you can experience when you're engaging in this work in terms or in the context of an ancient path. And a lot of these thinkers, and I think a lot of the stuff I'm doing and, and Kevin's doing, has taken some of the practices away from these yogas and these various other things and has kind of distilled it down for a Western mind to be able to understand a little bit better. Because a lot of these religions or philosophies, whatever you want to call them, the medieval language, the, the you know, incomplete texts, the, the guru-student relationship, a lot of that kind of obfuscates the essential practice or the essential thing that is happening. Um, and a lot of these things uh, have measurable effects. And I guess what I hope to do and what has been done by greater people before me is to distill a lot of those practices down in, in a scientific way. So you can benefit from them without necessarily having to embrace all these bizarre beliefs and strange dogmas and various other things. And I know that that's something actually online I've noticed that a lot of people may get benefit from meditation and stuff like that, but they don't want to touch it because it's tied up with all sorts of moralities that perhaps they don't like or that don't appeal to them. And I guess what kind of what I'm getting at is this work, you can, you can do these practices and these various things, and you don't necessarily have to tie up a morality or a belief system with them. 
they can exist. Separately. Yeah, you don't you don't need to believe anything. Yeah, you know, like that's the the movement practice. I've been well, that's why I like it. You don't need to uh, believe anything. The theory and the practice are suited to a Western point of view, a scientific experimental kind of mindset already. It's not like so like when you get something like the the Taoist um, Tai Chi practices and things like that is the movement practices they're doing are within the context of those concepts and principles and that whole kind of culture worldview. Um, it's, it, the tricky thing is it, it's difficult to just extract out a technique because sometimes some things only work in the context of all the things they have. Other mm -hmm. things can be extracted without the context. Um, and so for a while I was kind of against, not against, but like I didn't like Westerners going to the, these things because we're not bringing that context with us and we have our own context. But then I thought about recently the kind of Western part of Western culture is going around the world raiding other people's stuff <laughs> and taking their practices and taking, and taking and it back here and yeah. putting it in our own little British museum, you know? So, yeah. uh, it's that's the stage we're off. So people like us is we're trying to find the things that work within or without a con like what works taken out of context from another culture, what needs developed from within this one, um, for us to work for for us to work here. You know, I mean, I, I I've practiced, I, you know, I've experimented and done different Eastern things over the years. Um, you know, lots of it's great, and uh, um, some things are are. The, the mindset of someone in the West is a little bit different and, and needs to be dealt with in a slightly different way mm. than some of these things. And uh, there's no clear answer yet. That's what we're doing. We're experimenting. It's true. You know, a lot of these things have been measured to have impacts on the brain as well. So it's not that they're not all of them anyway, necessarily culturally um, dependent. Mindfulness, for example, is a good one. A lot of people poo-poo secular mindfulness practice but I actually you know I know I've studied Zen you know for a long time and I've done Zogchen and various other things I'm actually not against it um, because at the end of the day mindfulness is just mindfulness it's not a it's not like mindfulness just exists in Tibet or something <laughs> it's, it is just literally a way of sitting there and noticing and in a, in a similar way you can extract various other interesting techniques that free up energy or, or you know, free up, free up your mind a little bit, which, you know, in the, in the same way that we've been talking here uh, all night, so or all day in your case. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, a, a lot of those cultures are rich repositories of, of useful things and things that can, that can make your life better, uh, certainly in my experience. And, uh, for definite, and for each yeah. each person, kind of needs to figure out a mix that works for them because yeah. we're in we're kind of condemned to do this now. This is our culture and our situation, and we you have to just find what works for you while trying your best to avoid all the delusions and mistakes that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, um, and you know, and stop telling everyone else that that this thing is better than that thing when you like you've no idea of the context and you know mm. you, you don't really know what you're talking about and your own thing isn't probably that great anyway so you know it is actually um, i always i always tell people this it's it's immensely freeing to not have opinions about things you don't really know about and people often i don't yeah. think i really understand what i'm saying but 
um, when, when like, uh, there's definitely a tendency and, you know, I was like this when I was young, I was, you know, a fucking little know-it-all. I probably would have been one of the guys on Twitter doing esoteric threads about all sorts of shit. Um, it's, it's immensely freeing. First of all, when you develop the ability to focus on something in one particular thing and get really good at it. And it's also freeing just to say, I don't know. And I don't care. <laughs> really free and also if you've yeah. got something that you've reduced to practical procedures if you're actually doing something with it then you just do the thing and yeah. then you show it oh, i can teach you how to do this thing you know like there's some kind of objective reality to it then um rather than it just being things that you think about and read about and and um those kind of things so it's, i think we're at the stage now in this in certainly in the west that the focus needs to be on what is what's useful in a practical way, uh, how do we turn all this? Th- we've got, we have enough theory now. How do we turn theory into practice? How do we turn words into actions uh, rather than just, or how do you interconnect mind and body better? You know, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. It's all just different uh, ways of talking about the same problem, which is this kind of how to become mind body split. Not, not just think yourself to be the overman. How to actually become it? <laughs> I like I like <laughs> that as a goal personally. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, Nietzsche's thing of self overcoming. Cool, okay, I want to overcome myself, but how? I'll you know, what am I going to do? I'll think. So I mean, I'm not blaming him for not getting to that stage. No. That's not his thing. You know, that's not what his purpose was. But you know, like if you. You can read those things and write about those things and meme about those things all you want, but what are you actually doing? Hmm. You know, going to the gym is not enough. You know, like, for example, you know, that's like, that's one thing, but it's not, um, you'll discover if you do it long enough, it doesn't solve the things you think it's going to solve when you have the buzz and the excitement when you're very young with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's true for many things. Yeah. I'm sure it's true for get making lots of money. I can't talk authoritatively <laughs> on that though. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I got lots of money, but yeah, it's it's not worth the uh, amount of time you have to put in unless you really, really like it, I guess. Maybe it is then. But you know, human experience is a funny thing. Like, I think it's true what they say. You know, you could you, you tend to have more or less the same experience. I think they say what is it? As long as your needs are met. I think if you earn over, I forget what it is, something like 50 grand in the US or something, like it actually doesn't change your happiness or your contentedness uh, with life. So I, I think there is that. I think we've measured that. But um, yeah, okay. Well, I think that's a good place to, to, to end it. It's uh, It's been an hour and a half. So um, did you have any uh, final words? Anything you want to leave the audience I just want to say that we've talked a lot of things. We've been like negative about a lot of stuff, which is required. You know, like there's been a lot of destructive criticism. But I mean, this is all with a view and as a stepping stone to being more more constructive criticism. And uh, that's why we keep talking about techniques and doing things because there are solutions to a lot of this stuff if you really want to do it. And you, you, there are techniques they're not, you know, they're not um, the mega popular ones. Um, but it may just be a case of you just, you're either the small amount of people who are just wired this way and you just have to do it, or you've got some big issue that you can't solve in any other way and then you stumble across weirdos like us and you find something that way. Uh, it's just people will arrive in different ways. And 
uh, you just need to try things, experiment with things. Mm. And yeah, I hope we can uh, facilitate that for them. So uh, yeah, good talking to you, Kevin. I guess we'll talk uh, next time. It's been fun.